want to encourage you today. We're in a series of ideas, of talks, of sermons, whatever you want to call it, called What It Means to Be Blessed. How many of you guys were here last week for week one of this series? Last week? Let's go. I know, you know, after a pandemic, we don't know what, it, you know, like, what's the new normal? Do I go to church once a month? Like, we're trying to go to church every Sunday. Can I get an amen? We're trying to be every Sunday. We said last week we're opening doors 10 minutes before service. Thank you for everyone that showed up. At 11.50, we open doors. Five minutes, you could just come sit, and we do five minutes of prayer. Um, and we'll do the next thing, the same thing next week. We'll open the doors at 11.50, just giving you some time to settle in, use the restroom, hang out, and um, pray ourselves into the service. Uh, last week, we really jumped into the idea that I am not an owner, I am a manager. And today the Lord led me in the sermon, as I was preparing for today, the Holy Spirit led me to a couple of ideas, and I really believe it's going to minister to you. But before we, before we go into the teaching of God's word, would you hold your hands out in front of you, and just, if you feel comfortable, close your eyes, and set the, set, set the atmosphere with your heart, like be prepared to receive from God. This is... This is our posture, by the way. Our posture as followers of Jesus is hands out, hands open, ready to receive what God wants to do and say. God, if our heart is soil, I pray you prepare the way for your seeds. God, we came, we worshiped you, we lifted your name. We lifted our voices, we danced in your presence. And God, now we're ready to receive a word that you're going to give. At the end of the sermon, God, we're going to open up really an opportunity for people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray you bring people home today. Come on, all new birth says. Come on, all new birth says. Amen. I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys. You guys sound, you guys make me sound way better than I am with the band. This is, they're, they're awesome. Um, what it means to be blessed. Wow, I've just, you know, last week really changed the way we see the word blessed, didn't it? That, that blessed is not only the one who receives, but the blessed one is the one who gives. And today, the Lord led me to this idea of stewardship. This idea of stewardship. And, and I wanted to open up with this verse, Psalms chapter 24, verse 1. And it says this, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That the earth belongs to the Lord. Psalmist is being clear that although we live here, this ain't our house. <laughs> uh, if you're a parent in here and you have a teenager, you may have had this conversation already. I know you think this is your house, but baby boy, this is my house, all right? I know you think that's your fridge. I know you think those are your groceries, but this is my house. And the psalmist is painting that picture of the truth that the world belongs to God. I want you to think of the clothes you're wearing. By the way, you guys look so good. Um, I'm really proud of my uh, my church uh, my church's sense of fashion. You guys show up just dripping every week. You guys are drippy. For those of you who don't know what that means, that means that you look nice. Dripping like a sink, like the young people say. Um, you came in drippy today. You guys got your Sunday's best on. Here's the thing. Uh, your shirt belongs to God. This, this shirt was made from materials and cotton that was found in a field somewhere that was put together and made. How many of you guys know the field belongs to God, so this shirt belongs to God? 
you guys got some nice cars. I'll be out there in the lot sometimes. I'll be like, man, we got some nice cars in our lot. How many of you guys love your car? Come on. Even if it's just a hoopty. Come on, somebody. I'm whipping in the Nissan Versa 2016. You better stop. Boy, that's my Lambo. All black A thing. And that car I'm driving, yeah, it's got, it's mine, right, on paper, but the metal and, 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 and what form that car comes from minerals from this earth, meaning my car is actually God's. Uh, think about your jewelry. I'm married. I got one ring on. I'm married. Any married folk in the room this morning? Married life is the best life. Hello. Maybe you got a chain on. See, that's, now you're really dripping when you got a chain, you know what I'm saying? Got a chain on, got earrings on. Hey, your, your jewelry was mined from like somewhere deep in a cave. And the cave is found deep in the earth. Your jewelry belongs to God. You guys see where I'm going with this? Everything is God's. Everything is God's. I called this sermon, last week we didn't really have a title. But I called this, this sermon, I am a steward. I am a steward. Anybody taking notes this morning? Anybody taking notes? Man, take some notes at church. I really believe something changes in your walk with Christ when you don't just leave services with experiences and feelings and emotions, but you leave with ideas that are going to help you in the week, and you can go back to your notes. And when you're in Hope Group this week, you get to talk about it with people. Man, come on, write the sermon title down. I am a steward. Stewardship, the definition, literally means the management of the property of another. Uh, you guys can follow me on the notes. That's the next idea is that stewardship is the management of the property of another. So when I say I am a steward, I'm saying what I am managing isn't my property. It is the property of God. Uh, I, I got my first car when I was 18. I am now 25. I turned 26 in a couple months. Pray for your boy because I still feel like I'm 15. And now I get a glimpse of my dad saying he's 50. He still feels like he's 25. So I kind of understand what y'all mean by time is passing us by. I'm celebrating two years married in a couple days. Praise the Lord. Fastest two years of my life. Where is time going? Got to talk about babies now and I'm already crying. And I'm already tired. Uh, but, 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 you know, when I was 18, my dad was like, hey, you, he gave me my first car. Oh, my gosh, my, my first car. Woo! So excited. But here's the thing. I, I was kind of learning to drive with my first car. You guys know what I mean? Like, you're not an expert driver when you get your first car. You're kind of just, you know, testing the waters. Thank God I didn't grow up in New York. Driving in New York is just insane. I visited New York uh, a couple months ago, and I drove in New York for the first time as an adult. My anxiety was insane. I, every time we parked, I just just almost broke down in tears. Like, I made it. Like, everyone just honks. That's like just how they all talk to each other. Like, good morning. Bang. Lights green. Bang. It just turned green. Bang. Go. Why are you talking to me? So I learned how to drive in Florida a lot. It's like night and day. New Yorkers are like, I don't know how people have licenses out here. Like, they don't even know how to do nothing. So I learned how to drive my first car. Man, I was just, you know, just learning, hitting curbs here and there. Ouch, you know, but hey, it's my car. You know, it's my car. I remember one time on, you know, 
Turnpike's always, always under construction, still under construction, right? It's like, it's just never ending. Remember one day, I'll just, you know, when they narrow the road with the cones, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? They start narrowing. I'm like, oh, God, I'm going really close to these cones. Boom, hit a cone. I'm like, yikes. Kept going. Um, just learning how to drive, you know. Uh, just bumps and scratches on my car. It didn't bother me. Hey, you know, I'm learning. Until one day, after a year or so of me driving, my dad goes, hey, John, can you go to the store? And um, can you get me something? Oh, by the way, take my car. This is different. I was super excited. You know, I was super excited. At the time, he had got a car that I remember from the church I'd given him. And that thing was I was like, wow, God, if anybody wants to bless your boy, you know. Um, so I take the keys, and I'm, like, so excited. Once he puts the keys in my hand, my hand starts shaking. I'm like, what is this feeling? I've never felt this way before. I get in the car, and I'm excited. I'm in the garage. I turn the car on, and I just, I'm like, I'm like wow, I feel, I feel this pressure. You know what I mean? It's like the first time I took care of my, my, my nephew. Like, I held him. I was like, I feel this pressure, you know, like there's a life in my hands. I'm in the car. And I'm just so nervous. I'm going down the street. I probably have like a mile ride. And I'm telling you, just even getting off the driveway, I look like both ways like four times. Slowly, you know what I'm saying? Like just slowly going. I'm like literally driving like just going down the street like super cautious. I end up at the store. And then that's when I was able to breathe. And then, boom, you know, even parking that thing, was I was just so nervous. Just taking it slow. Just like, you know, say, oh, no, I'm not straight enough. And then, like, backing out, backing out just gets so hard out of nowhere, right? So you're, like, fully, like, looking back. By the way, you're supposed to look back when you back up, all right? Half of us do that. Okay, just I'm praying for you. You got cameras now, right? I'm sorry. I got an older car. You got to look back. And you back it up, and I just go back, and I end up back in the garage, and I turned it off, and it was just so wild because, like, I knew how to drive. I drive my car. I mean, in my car, you know, windows down, one hand, you know what I'm saying, talking to my girl, like, what's up, man, there you go. But in my dad's car, I drove it differently. Why did I drive that car differently? Friends, because the car didn't belong to me. I treated the car differently because the car was not mine. Uh, you may experience this as well if you ever travel out of state and you go to a family member's house in another state or country. Um, you know, like you're, you and your wife, you're, you're hanging out or whatever, or you and your family, and like you're about to go downstairs for breakfast, but you just make sure everything in the room is like nice and neat, right? You're like, all right, you know, if they pop in, you know, make sure the room looks good. And you're probably looking at your spouse like, where was that at? At our house every day, you know, like what's going on? And, no, don't put your shoes there. Don't put your shoes there. Put them over there. Like, get your foot off the coffee. Get your foot off the coffee table. Let's go. You're trying to have, oh, yeah, nice. Get your foot off the coffee table. Oh, yeah, nice. You probably get a spouse like, dude, where was that energy last week at our house? You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. But this isn't our house. So how we treat this and how we manage this matters. Friends, I'm here to give you an idea that the Holy Spirit's been impressing on my heart. That everything you have, everything in your life does not belong to you. So how you steward it and how you manage it matters. You see, here's the truth. We're all stewards. We're all stewards. We're all managing property that does not belong to us. 
children that do not belong to us. I believe this year, I have faith to believe that your children will come back to the Lord this year. I have faith to believe that the families that you are raising, that God has a plan and purpose over your life. And just like for you, it took one moment to change everything, the same goes for your children. But let me give you something. God loves your children more than you do. They're his. They're his. And, and the truth is, we're all stewards, but not all of us are good stewards. We're all managing property that's not ours, but not all of us are managing well. The Holy Spirit told me, John, find that verse in the Bible that says, my good and faithful servant. My good and faithful servant. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's go. That's going to be so good. Holy Spirit, thank you so much. I receive it. I looked all over the Bible. I looked all over the Bible. You guys know that, that verse, right? When, when, when Jesus says, my good and faithful servant, welcome home. You've been faithful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you. You guys know that, right? When we see Jesus... I only found it one place in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. And Jesus is actually telling a parable. And if you look at the text, Matthew chapter 25, this is a long list of parables where Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. So he's comparing the kingdom of heaven to a bunch of different examples. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, and on is where we find that phrase, my good and faithful servant. So let's just dive into this and then we're going to sing again and then we're going to bless you out and have a great Sunday. Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 says, this is Jesus talking. So in your Bible, these words are read. The kingdom of heaven is like a man. I don't know about you, but if anybody knows what the kingdom of heaven is like, it's Jesus Christ, the son of God. So when he says it's like, I need to really pay attention to what he's about to say because that's a glimpse of eternity. The kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey. We know this with studying the text and the context of what's going on that Jesus is saying that he's the man that is going on a journey. And he calls his servants, you and I, and he entrusted them to his property. So what does that mean? What does that mean for our lives today? Really quickly, what it means is that Jesus, he came and he gave us something and he left. He's going on a journey. Jesus died and rose again. And like Pastor Jonathan said, he is seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for you right now. But he left you with something. He left you with your resources, with your family, with your gifts, with your talents. No, he left you with his property and in verse 15 it says to one he gave five talents the service he was talking about to one he gave five talents to another he gave two to another he gave one to each according to his ability and then he went away so Jesus gave his servant something and then he left to one five talents to one two talents and to another one talent according to their ability. I always read this, and, and, and this is where the Holy Spirit was really ministering to me. I always read this. I'm like, Dito, the guy who got one talent, like, why did he get one? You know, like, Dito, what does that mean? I don't even know how to, like, say that in English. It's just, you know, Dito, like, like, aw, there you go. Like, aw, why, why did he get one? So, so a talent, let's put it up, a talent is 10,000 denarii. So a silver talent 
he gives the guy one talent. And in those times, when Jesus says he gave one guy five, he gave one guy two, he gave one guy one, the disciples understand what a talent is. A talent is 10,000 denarii. Let me give you a little bit of what that means for them in that time. A year's worth of wages is 300 denarii. So a year's worth, if he gave them 300 denarii, which is not a talent, a talent is 10,000, that would have been a year they didn't have to work. So when this master gives the servant 10,000 denarii, he basically told him, you'll never have to work again. This is the amount of money you receive in your lifetime. No more detail right there, right? Like, you don't got to work again. Thank you. <laughs> to when he gave a lifetimes of wages, to when he gave two lifetimes of wages. So that's someone who's got generational money, you know what I'm saying? They got money and their kids going to have money. To another he gave five five generations of money. That's LeBron James. His kids, 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 kids are chilling. They're good. Watch this. He gave them according to their ability, meaning he couldn't give the guy with one talent five because he probably wouldn't be able to handle it. It's according to his ability. But then he leaves them with an opportunity. So this is what it says in verse 16. He who had received five guy who got five, the guy who got the most, five times, five lifetimes of money, at once he traded with them. That word traded in its original context, translated to our language, means he did business. He invested the five talents. And here's what's wild. He made five more talents. He was given five generations of money. He invested it and doubled it. Ten generations are chilling. That's your kid. You know what we sing? And your children, and your children, and your children. That's only four children. We'd have to go, and your children, 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 and their children, and their children, and their children. That's what this guy just did with what God gave him, with what Jesus gave. Remember, Jesus says this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Verse 17. So also the one who had two, he made two talents more. But he who had received one talent, he went and he dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And this is why I let you know I stand up here in fear and trembling. I stand up here preaching this with conviction. I know it's not easy to hear a sermon when it directly connects to you. I know it's not easy to sit here and hear this. I'm going to let you know it's not easy to stand here and deliver this. It's not easy. But, but the reason why I'm confident in here is because the Holy Spirit has given me this message. And I know for a fact that one day Jesus is coming back. If you have that great hope, can you just make a little bit of noise in the room this morning? That Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back soon. And he will come with all authority and all the pain and the gnashing and all the, 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 you know, the sickness and disease will go away. But Jesus isn't just coming back. What Jesus is saying is that the master will return and he's going to settle accounts. He's not just going to come back. He's going to come back and say, what did you do with what I've given you? And this is why, if you've been at New Birth, you probably know, yo, in six years, 
we probably went like two series and a half talking about money. Because you guys are probably the most generous church I've ever been a part of. And I really want to say thank you to all of you that have been faithful in your tithing and your offering. In the middle of a pandemic, we went into a new facility. Can we give praise to God? Come on. If you know it's just God that allowed you to be generous. You're the most generous community I've ever been a part of. But we have to teach this. Because Jesus is coming back and he's, he's got a question. What did you do with what I've given you? What did you do? Verse 20. He who had received five talents came forward. Jesus came to settle accounts. One with five came forward. He brought five more. Master, you delivered me five talents here. I made five more. His master said, this is where I found the verse. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over the little. Jesus looks at ten generations of wages and he calls it little. Is that mind-blowing? Ten generations of money is Jeff Bezos, all right? That's, that's, that's Elon Musk. That's these dudes that just got money for ten generations. Jesus is like, you've been faithful with little. That's cute. But now I'm going to give you more. Because, friends, when we die, we know there's a new heavens and a new earth. And with what you've been doing here how faithful you've been here God will set you as a ruler as a leader and over responsibility in the next life Jesus is saying this is what the kingdom of heaven is like he who had two talents came forward saying master you gave me two here I made two more his master said the same good and faithful servant what does that mean? Did Jesus get on the guy with two and say well that's still eight less than what this guy brought no you've been faithful with what God gave you You've been faithful with what God gave you. Doesn't matter, it's not as much as that one. You've been faithful because of what God gave you. Doesn't matter because it's less than that guy. I don't care about comparison to number. I care about comparison and obedience. You've been faithful over the little, and I will set you over much. Verse 24, he who also had received the one talent came forward, and here comes the excuse. Master, I knew you were a hard man. Pause right there. Hard man, he gave you a lifetime of wages. Hard man, does anybody believe that God's a hard man? No, because I didn't bargain for me to be born. Me being here right now, I'm only here by the very grace of God. I didn't bargain, you know, for a full head of hair. I didn't bargain to be born in America. I didn't bargain. I didn't bargain. I'm only here by the grace and mercy of God. God is a good God. I know those that have died in the last year. I've got a friend, 23 years old, who went to be with the Lord a month ago. I, I know if I'm here, I'm here by the very grace of God. He is not a hard man. No, he's a good God. He's a good God. I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. He's just, this is an excuse. All I'm reading here is an excuse. Verse 25, so I was afraid. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent. Notice, the first two servants were obedient to God because they loved him, they honored him, they respected him, and the last servant did nothing with what he was given because he feared him. What am I, try what am I trying to say? The last servant was driven by fear. By fear. Reminds me of a conversation I had with uh, someone a year ago, 
Pastor, you need, you need to start preaching different. You got to start scaring these young people. A ministry led by fear leads to digging what God's given us. I'm not talking about compromising on holiness. God's called us to be holy. And, and Paul tells Timothy, listen, correct, rebuke, and encourage. But some of us have come from organizations and followings before, and I'm not here to step on them. But we know what it's like to be under somebody because you're afraid of them. And God's like, yo, I'm, don't be afraid. I love you. I'm your friend. I love you. I'm your savior. It's like a father and a son. And if I correct you, it's out of love. I can't be driven by fear. I got to be motivated by love. But this is what the master says to the one who did not manage the talent well. But his master answered in verse 26, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered. No seed. Then you ought to invest in my money, at least with the bank. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. This part blows me away. Take the one lifetime of wages from this man and give it to the guy who came back with ten. Because listen, this guy doesn't know how to invest, but I know the one with ten knows exactly what to do with when I give him something. He's obedient. He's faithful. So I'm going to take from the one who was unfaithful, and I'm going to just throw it to the one that I can trust, that I know that will be faithful, that I know that I know he's got my back. I know he understands this isn't his. And that's why sometimes small things keep getting smaller because it's got the wrong heart. But, man, God's blessing people, and he's throwing so much more over them because they're, they're faithful, and they're looking at the fact that what I have does not belong to me. Verse 29. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he who will, and he who will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Next, my next point is that everyone is a steward, but not everyone is a good steward. Stewardship, next point is stewardship is to protect and expand the resources of another. So God didn't just give you your vocal ability. I know you sound good in the shower. Me, 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 me. God's like, yo, I need you to, I need you to invest your gifts. I need you to invest your talents into the church. I need you. I knew you used to sing for those bands, used to sing in those types of rooms, used to sing in all this place. But I need you to invest what I've given to you because if I, if I trusted with you, I need you to protect it and I need you to expand it. I need you to protect it and I need you to expand it. Do not be motivated in fear. For some of you, you have a leadership gift over your life that people are just drawn to you. You want to know how you have that gift? If someone ever told you, I don't know what it is about you, I don't know what's on you, but I just feel led and I just feel comfortable talking to you. I just feel comfortable opening up to you. You think that's your pretty face? No. That is the gift that God has given you and I dare you this year to give that gift back to God and to invest it into the house of God. Some of you, everything you touch God just multiplies. Some of you everything you want, God just multiplies. I dare you to take the talent that God has given you and pour it back into the house because Jesus is coming because Jesus is coming. Church, do you believe he's coming? Do you believe he's coming? 
and he has a question, and when he asks that question, I won't be there. Pastor Gabby won't be there. Our green logo won't be there. It'll be you and God. It'll be the servant and the master, and he will say, what did you do with what I've given you? What did you do with what I've given you? What did you do? I'm asking the worship team to come up. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. The Lord led me to Genesis because I started thinking about the, the Garden of Eden and how God told, told Adam and Eve, eat of every tree, strawberries, pears. Shout out to pears. <laughs> Apples, oranges. Can you yell out your favorite fruit on three? One, two, three. I heard some pineapples in there. Let's go. Mangoes. There's just like a Holy Spirit anointing in mangoes, right? Throw it on anything. Yo, my mother-in-law does this. Next time you make a salmon, put some mango on that thing. You're welcome. God tells Adam and Eve, eat anything you want. Pick from any tree. But hey, this tree right here, this one tree, don't even touch it. Can I give you guys some real facts of New Birth Church? And this is why I'm preaching this with, with humility and conviction because I have no option. And the Holy Spirit led me in a conversation. And you want to know the metrics of our church. By the way, I want to talk about the growth of New Birth really quickly. That last week we celebrated that in six years, 5,600 people have said yes to Jesus in our services. Insane. The grace of God. Four campuses right now. Kissimmee, Newport Ritchie, two hours away. They're right by the beach. The campus pastor, he could walk to the beach. So if God's calling you to the beach, he's calling you to Newport Ritchie. Can I get an amen? It's like five people that love the beach. We got a campus in Poinciana, 45 minutes away. Pastor Pedro and the team, they're doing an excellent job. Then we have a, a ministry in Venezuela. We're calling it a campus because it just started off with us feeding some children. And then quickly it turned into a whole village going there to be fed. It turned into quickly us having to put a facility up to hold services. So that's like a missional campus. All that in six years it's unheard of. Guys, we're in this building, by the way. We've been a set-up, tear-down ministry for five years. And in a pandemic, we actually got our own place. Come on. If you love God, come on. I love God. I don't got to tear down after this. Faithful. That's because you decided to be faithful to God. But can I give you some real numbers? And compared to America, this is insane. Like, we're really good. But that's not the point. I'm not comparing I'm not comparing. I, I want to talk about obedience. Did you know, for the first time guests, just kind of stick this out. I'm talking to the members of the house, those that are called New Birth Home. Did you know that tithing is not generosity? Tithing is obedience. This side didn't like that. I'll, I'll try this side. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is obedience. God says, give me 10%. You know what generosity begins? Generosity begins in your offering. When you go above and beyond your tithes and give an offering. Real life numbers, real life numbers. 
40% of new births right now, can you say me, 40% are faithful with their tithes. Every time they get a paycheck, they are faithful with their tithes. Can we please celebrate the 40? We got the lights on and the AC on because you've been faithful. Even in the pandemic, the rest of the world's like 20% are faithful. And 60% give, what was the word? I don't want to butcher this. Sporadically. Sporadically. And if God has saved 5,000 people, expanded us to four campuses, we got people coming every week. I just saw an ad on Facebook. I just saw a post. I saw your son. If that's with just 40% being obedient, imagine if 100% of our church, I'm getting excited right now. I'm about to start dancing. If 100% of us said, God, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be faithful with what you've given me. I'm going to tithe. Holy Spirit sent me to Genesis, and I asked myself, God, why would you put the tree in the middle of the garden? Has anybody asked that question? Like, if I'm Adam and I'm Eve, I'm like, take the one tree I can't eat from and put it in the corner. You know what I'm saying? Put it in a hole. So I, I don't even want to see it. I don't even want to see it, God. I don't even want to see it. I don't even want to see it. Just take it. I don't want to get it out of the way. I like in the Spanish service, we said, Last skin out, put in the corner. No, no, no. God says, I'm going to put the tree that you are not to touch right in the middle of the garden. So you know what that tells me? That every single day, Adam and Eve, you know, they were perfect, right? They'd just be walking to, you know, feed the sheep and they would see the tree. And they'd just keep moving. And every day, they just circle the very tree they weren't supposed to touch. In this example, this is what belongs to God. Because everything belongs to God. And he says, give me this. So they're eating, and they're eating, and they're picking from tree, and they're just side-eyeing it. I can imagine, just to have some fun, that they go on picnics on Saturdays. And every Saturday, they just got a little bit closer to the tree. <laughs> a little bit closer to the tree. And then one day, some serpent showed up and just jacked everything up. God, why would you put it in the middle? And the Holy Spirit said, John, I put it in the middle to remind them every day that everything belongs to me. And when you see that tree, it's not to see that I'm a bad man. It's to give you a reminder that you ought to be obedient to what I placed in your life. 